Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's get hype! Welcome into the first ever joint Husker 24-7 podcast, Husker 24-7 Hypecast combination. It is Thanksgiving week, which means everyone's schedule is insane. And so we have decided here at Husker 24-7 to combine the two podcasts. So you are getting two podcasts for the price of one, but considering you don't pay anything for these, it's really not that big of a bargain for you. We'll work on better marketing next time. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson. No special guest this week for the joint podcast uh gentlemen how's it going brian we'll start with you pretty good yeah it is a busy uh, week leading into thanksgiving the good thing is we'll just have a nice relaxing uh, weekend after so that uh you can kick your feet up nothing will happen probably right <laughs> yeah yeah nothing's nothing's gonna yeah. happen nothing's that gonna was, happen that was dry yeah that was dry uh sarcasm or something yeah it, it's gonna be a busy week which is fine we're ready we're ready for it I think we're okay. I think we. I think we'll handle. Bruns, how's it going? Not bad. Just uh, this is kind of like a leftovers. Like you're getting like the hype cast over here, which is like your mashed potatoes. You got your stuffing over here, which is the regular week, and we're just pushing them all together, heating it up, and that's what you're getting. That's that, that's your your morsels for the week. Do you guys know what the uh, the the sort of guidelines are for leftover turkey and how long you can kind of keep snacking on it? Nah, I, through the weekend, I think. I, I mean, I think you're allowed through Sunday, and then when you get head to the next work week, you kind of got to move on with your life. Isn't that the rule? The, 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 the sort of government recommendations, and I know this because I once had a job where I had to write up this sort of stuff, was that you should try – to not have any leftovers after 48 to 72 hours because the quality of food could uh, could gain some bacteria in your refrigeration. Even if you use the best that you have of your Tupperware and your foils and your uh, saran wrap and all of it, even with the, the advent of, uh, you know, refrigeration and, and all of it, unless you froze it, you're, you're going to want to have those leftovers, you know, pretty much within two days. So Otherwise you could start getting sick. So basically if, if you're still eating Turkey by the time Nebraska is named ahead and Nebraska hasn't named a head coach yet, you're, you're screwed. Well, look, you might have an upset stomach for two reasons. So uh, you never know. You, you just want to be careful. 
There's no reason to risk it. I'm just trying to trying to be helpful here. Nice little uh, PSA there. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just relying back on the days when I I would do random press releases uh, for IARN News or IANR News, whatever, uh, on campus. So, um, yeah, that's uh, you know just trying to pass along to the folks. Brunts, what's your what's your Thanksgiving side dish that you absolutely will not eat one bite of? Uh, anything with sweet potatoes and no go. All right, BC. Yeah, I don't like sweet potatoes either. Actually, um, I will put a little thing on my plate because I think you're like required to kind of, but I don't like them. <laughs> mashed potato, but yet I love mashed potatoes with a little to get the get the butter right um, with the gravy. Yeah, that's that that's the best, and sweet potatoes are the worst. I'm I actually had no idea that both of you hated sweet potatoes so much. Yeah. But, uh... It kind of caught me off guard a little bit. That's the only reason I was allowed to join the Husker 24-7 years ago is <laughs> Brunson and I had a real serious discussion about that. I could see that. I could see where Brunson would have a series of questions <laughs> for you. And, you know, he wouldn't actually tell you if you got the wrong answer, but you get one of those sort of faces where he looks off to yeah. the side a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, what do you, you think everything? about sweet potatoes? And then it just kind of looks, yeah. Oh, that's what you think, huh? Oh, all okay. right. What do you really think about sweet potato? Yeah. yeah, one of those. All right. That's enough banter. That's enough Thanksgiving talk. Nebraska still needs to hire a football coach. Nebraska still needs to finish out its season. I'll give you guys a choice. Would you rather talk about the game that we saw on Saturday in which the Huskers led in the second half and blew it for the fourth time this year? Or would you rather talk about the coaching search? Either way, we're talking about both, so you don't get out of it. It's oh. just which would you <laughs> here? Which, let's just, which would let's you just, rather talk about to start with? Let's just eat the sweet potatoes quickly and talk about the game, and then we can move on. Okay. All right. What What would you like to say about the game, Brooks? Well, they they had a lead, and then they lost it in typical Nebraska fashion. And uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's. We're just we're just running out the clock on the season. I mean, is that is that fair to say? I mean, it's I don't think I'm being disrespectful of, of the players and the coaches because I think they've worked really hard. But I mean, let's be honest, like it it uh you know, it would have been a nice little capper if you would have won on senior day. Uh I mean, maybe the 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 most intrigue was probably who walked on senior day, what decisions are still to be made about next season. Uh, Casey Thompson is apparently he did he walked um, and is going to withhold judgment on his future until after the season, as you'd expect. Oshawn Mathis also walked. Um, was there anybody else notable that? Those are the two big ones. I mean, Colton Colton Feast as someone I would. I mean, he's played about as much many snaps as uh, anybody in the front line. So I would say as as you think about depth, he would be a guy. He walked last year, though, too. So he might just be going for the record for senior day walks. I'd say the last three weeks, Feast has flashed about as much as anybody on the defensive line. So um, he's at least playing better football here than maybe what we saw at the start of the year. Um, okay. So let's uh, before we get into kind of talking about those guys, uh, just a quick rundown of the game. Nebraska couldn't really run the ball. Nebraska couldn't really pass the ball. Wisconsin could not really pass the ball and finished eight of eighteen for eighty some yards, but it was enough. Uh, but they could run the ball. Um, anything else I need to add in there? Wisconsin missed a field goal. 
Nebraska didn't attempt a field goal. Uh, let's Wisconsin, see. Wisconsin never panicked. And uh, there was also sort of a, you, you don't like to speak for the entire stadium, but, you know, I, I feel like even when Nebraska got that one stop with five minutes left, there was this feeling in the stadium like they're going to have to do it one more time. Yep. And Wisconsin's going to get a good field. And you kind of had this, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I felt it was inevitable. Like I kind, I just kind of thought we were, we, it was going to happen exactly like it happened. And I would guess a high percentage of uh, folks thought that too. There's always that hope you can make a play. And of course the big, the big one that hurt him really was the, uh, you know, Buddha, Buddha Wright lost, uh, lost his guy there on the, on the wheel and it got inside the 10. I think if that doesn't happen, Wisconsin bizarrely was working toward another situation sort of like they were at the end of the first half where they might have got out of their comfort zone and sort of their play calls a little bit, although they did have all their timeouts at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think they might have been all right. But it was they had bizarre clock management, I thought, much like Michigan the previous week at the end of the first half. Um, which they left points out there. I know they had a chance at a field goal, but they got down to the 21 in that first half drive at the end, and they threw it three times. That's what Wisconsin kept doing that made the game what it was, is they had two or three drives where they would pound it at Nebraska for four or five yards a pop or more, and then suddenly they decided they wanted to have Graham Mertz throw it on first down. And you're just thinking like, okay, good. Nebraska will take that. Um, but then Graham Mertz hits the one pass, finally where he has a guy and a good catch inside the 10 that was your game pretty much yeah it would have been interesting to see how if at all they were able to get down that far if, if they don't hit on that pass I mean the, the whole sort of thing going on in that late in the fourth quarter was can Nebraska just get one more Graham Mertz mistake like can he just yeah. kind of like does he have one more duck in him because he threw that one in the first half that set up a touchdown and Nebraska took advantage of it, and he's sort of been known to, to kind of do that. Uh, but he made a couple of nice throws on the day, and um, that was one of them. I mean, and it was a I, – I know what what Wright was was thinking. He thought that running back was going to go out in the flats, and I think he was trying to beat him there. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think he really thought that's where they were maybe going to try to go. And so he runs past uh, the running back a little bit and just keeps moving up the field. And he made a nice catch. I mean – it's a it's a situation where um, you know Nebraska still even after that had an opportunity and they just couldn't get the stop. They couldn't slow down the running attack at times when when it mattered. And then you know it felt pretty academic uh, when Wisconsin went up that Nebraska wasn't going to put themselves in position for a field goal. I mean they just couldn't move the ball most of the day by virtue of their offensive line being under siege. Yeah, and I mean, you want to talk about Wisconsin's O-line believing in itself. I asked Garrett Nelson about this afterwards because I thought it was interesting. They they, sneak, they they did a QB sneak for the touchdown from like a yard and a half. It was a yard and a half to two yards out. It was technically called a one-yard touchdown, but it was a deep sneak. They had to get it in further than you sometimes do it. But they knew they, they could get the push. I mean, they were confident they could get the push and, and get him in the end zone and and – they were winning up front. Um, there were bright spots on Nebraska's defense. I mean, Hausman, man, 
the last two weeks, like you're seeing a guy emerge as a young player who's already becoming somebody that the other team has to recognize on their scouting report. I think Malcolm Hartzog has been a, uh, a breath of fresh air and is a fighter out there. The play he wasn't in there is the touchdown. I think it, Braxton Clark was in there on the play where he lost the guy on that third down, and that was a huge play. Um, and I like – I called him Buddha. That's what they call him. Javen Wright, um, I like that he's been out there the last two weeks. I know he had a tough lesson on that one play, but I think he's a guy who can be really good for whoever the next coach is in coverage and the nickel and all that. So – those are the encouraging spots. You've got three or four of them on the defense individually. Is there, I mean, I, I think that's kind of answers the question. There's really not much else to take out of that game that you transpose over to the Iowa game, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're sort of looking at almost the same exact kind of game. They don't have their running attack that Wisconsin does. So it'll be interesting to see if Iowa can move the ball. However, their defense tends to just show up, make plays and give them short field. Um, so the, the question is, will Nebraska's offensive line, which I, I don't even know that it's possible for them to look worse than they have at any point this season, but they managed to accomplish it on Saturday. I don't know what they can give you legitimately on Friday. I mean, Iowa uh, has has a decent front seven, and, and they're going to apply pressure just like Wisconsin was able to. And even more than that, they're going to disrupt any run play that you try, uh, especially when Nebraska gets pretty predictable by just going with dives up the middle. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a tough. It's it's going to be one of those games that like that Nebraska just has not historically played well in. It's a field position. Um, it's a Big Ten West game. It's a Big Ten. It's like Big Ten West on steroids. Like that was yesterday Big between the Patriots and the Jets. I don't know if you guys caught any of that game, but if you like punting and teams not being able to do anything with the ball on offense, that was the most Big Ten West game that has ever occurred not inside the Big Ten West. Yeah, they like I, I'm not confident that either offense is going to move the ball with, with any kind of regularity in this game. And it's it's going to turn on a turnover or two. It's going to be a short field that one offense finally manages to to get it in the end zone. I mean, I what was the line the line that came out was nine and that quickly got up to ten and a half. Like I that just feels like a lot of points um in, in a a matchup that's always kind of been a one scorer and and I, I just don't know how either offense unless unless Iowa gets like a defensive touchdown I mean that that's the way it kind of gets out of hand and and that is certainly you know in the cards based on uh, how these two teams play yeah I mean I almost expect Iowa to get a defensive touchdown the way they play I mean that they like it's easy to have snark about their offense, but and the fact that they win these justified games too with like a horseshoe in their backside and a little bit of the, it is that, but it's not completely that. At some point, you have to give the due that they always make plays on defense. And I went back to I don't know if you watched Iowa play Ohio State earlier this year. It was a, it ended up being like fifty four to ten or something, but Iowa made Ohio State's offense look bad for like two and a half quarters. And the points, somehow Ohio State got points through like five Iowa turnovers. But, I mean, that's the kind of defense they are. They're an elite crew over there. And so this is a really bad matchup for Nebraska's O-line right now. I mean, there aren't a lot of good matchups out there. But if you could pick like three or four of the worst matchups for that O-line, this is, this is one of them. 
All right. Well, that's a little bit of a preview for when we dive back into that Nebraska-Iowa game at the end of this podcast. That'll be fun. Let's get high. You are contractually <laughs> obligated to listen to the entire rest of this podcast now that you've started it. You cannot stop. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk a little about Nebraska's coaching search, which is in day 2.5 million. Brian Christofferson, how's it going with that? Um, it's getting hot and heavy uh, to get into our uh, Seinfeld lingo. But, uh, I mean, this is a week, eight year heads on a swivel, right, Schaefer? Like, we're down, uh, we think we know like four or five guys and we, we're, we put those sort of names out there, but then it's always like, well, you know, anything can happen in the 11th hour, I guess. Where where are you at with it? Yeah, I mean, it's – um, <clears throat> I think we're close. I think at this time next week, next Tuesday, uh, we'll be talking about Nebraska's next coach and kind of what he has to do to finish out this 2023 recruiting cycle. And then, you know, pretty soon, Brian, we're going to be talking about the transfer portal nonstop. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on that right now. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to talk about that at great length. For most of the month of December, but the the transfer portal is going to be, you know, just talking with people around the network, the transfer portal is going to be very, very active here yeah. in about a, a, you know, a couple week stretch, whenever that opens. I think it's December 5th is when it officially uh, is open for business. And I think it's going to have a line like Apple does when they have a new phone that comes out and people line up around the block. Like that's what the transfer portal is going to look like. So Nebraska, it's imperative to get a coach uh, so you can recruit your own roster, as we've talked about, and then start working, um, you know, in terms of what you're putting together for a class and and certainly what you're trying to put together uh, with, with some transfer portal players to help set you up for the 2023 season. But I want to talk about the coaches. Um, you know, we on, on Monday at Husker 24-7 uh, put out the report that Bronco Mendenhall has surfaced as a name to to watch in this coaching search. And that's a kind of a new inclusion that I think was right up there with, with what we've been talking about with Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman, Matt Rule. You know, I think Bronco Mendenhall kind of goes right in there with those guys as towards the, towards the top of, of expectations, I think, of, of where this thing ends. When you first heard – Bronco Mendenhall, and I don't know if it was Brunts that told you or me that told you uh, after we got the information on it. What what came to your mind, you know, when you when you hear Bronco Mendenhall? Well, first off, um, I know it's a name that's out of the blue to some people, or that hasn't been thought about like the other names. But um, 
we don't know what's going to happen, but that stuff, we don't put stuff up just to put stuff up. So people should know that, um, you know, that there's, there's a reason behind it and we'll see how it plays out and all that. But it didn't, it didn't take me back to knock me back much. Um, I've, I've thought about him earlier in the search. I don't know if we had him on some of our hot boards and that was probably, this is easy to say now, but that was, probably it was like yeah of course you would say that now that was a mistake um if he ends up being in consideration or the guy um but if you think about it he's got a 17-year track record he's sort of known as a tough guy coach his teams are were known as tough guy teams at BYU I think there'd be some people who looked at how it kind of sputtered a little bit around the COVID year and into 2021 at Virginia I think they went six and six maybe in 2021 and then he stepped away. He needed to recharge. And he's talked about that. He has his own podcast. Like he wanted to recharge his battery and all this stuff. And uh, it seems like he did that. And now is pretty amped to get back into coaching one way or another. And um, I'm, I wouldn't be, it doesn't shock me at all that he would be the type of coach when you look at his background and he has a good defensive background too, that Trev Alberts would say, at least let's kick the tires on and let's see what this guy's about. Um, so I'm not, I'm not as, uh, stunned as some people. And I think if people took away maybe that last year at Virginia, if you look at his overall resume over the course of like 17 years as a head coach, not too shabby. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, people can find the ESPN article, a pretty good article from July, I think of 2022 about what he had been up to. And there's little question that he had almost a crisis of confidence about how to go forward with, with the 2020 season and the 2021 season uh, because of COVID, because of what was going on. And I think he really struggled with that and it may have affected how he coached. And so that sort of all speaks to why he stepped away when he did. He's, he's taken kind of great, you know, great links to point out that he never retired, that this wasn't like uh, Hmm. that he wanted to be done with it. He, I think needed to, I guess in a weird way, reshape his focus, figure out what he wanted to to do and, and, and move forward with it. And so I'd encourage people to read about it. It at least gives you a glimpse into them. Uh, you know, it may not change, you know, where the sitting opinion is because people's opinions are sometimes hard to change when they're entrenched. Uh, but I, it, what I took away from that article more than anything, Brian, is how a guy like Trev Alberts would come across Bronco Mendenhall and be really interested in him. I mean, I think one of the things that should get said about Bronco is that the coaching community seems to really like him. He seems yes. to be well regarded by his peers, you know, the assistants, just from sources I talked to in our network that are familiar with BYU and Virginia, the assistant coaches like working for him. They like working for him because they felt like he was direct. They felt like he was honest. They felt like he was fair. And they felt like he, you know, his mission was basically not only that he wants to be successful on the football field, but that he wants to put the, to put together a, a team that has a purpose and, you know, moves forward uh, with that purpose. And so I, I think, you know, as a leader, I think he really would speak to Trev Alberts. Now, there's, of course, a, a fair amount of, of question about, you know, what happens when a guy steps away, even just a short amount of time, like, this is a different landscape. We just got done talking about the transfer portal. Like, is he, 
you know, would Bronco Mendenhall be ready to, to come to a place like Lincoln or, you know, Tempe or Colorado and immediately dive into the NIL world and, and into the, the transfer portal world, which even just a year later is different than what he was experiencing in Virginia. So I think that's a very real question that, that has to sort of be answered, you know, if this is a guy that Nebraska is moving forward. Yeah, I think with all the coaches you're looking at, um, I've maybe said this before on here, but um, the last two to three years are always important. But it feels like more so in this time period where college football, I think, is more as the ground has shifted more dramatically than I've ever known it since I've been alive, like in the last two years on like um, how you deal with your locker room with NIL and all the, you know, all that stuff that you've got to manage that wasn't even there like in 2018. It's just a different story. So I think some of these guys, I know Trev has, I'm sure, been looking at the long view on these guys' resumes of like 10, 15, 20 years, which he should. But I do think you got to narrow that to like how have specific guys handled a very different college football game than it was even a few years ago and and managing rosters and all that stuff. And so that would be a big question and not just uh, like Bronco, but anybody. Uh, but I think you're right about the coaching community stuff. Trev, the one thing we know, because Trev Alberts has said it, is he's tried to talk to everybody under the sun. Like, I think he's talked to like Nick Saban and, you know, he's tried to get everybody's like opinion on who fits Nebraska. Who do you think? What does Nebraska need? Who's out there that fits? And I think when you hear some of these names, it's not surprising a little bit. Then when you step back and consider that, that like a Monken and a Bronco, uh, materialize because I do think those are two coaches. If you actually do your research and kind of walk around the block and hear some coaches talk, I think they think they're very good. Like you know how so, some coaches just like, I really respect that guy. He does more with less. If he got a job somewhere, watch out. And I, I have a feeling it's that way with those two guys, but of course we'll see what happens there. There, I mean, there's other names we've mentioned. Um, Matt Rule was the name of the week last week, uh, Schaefer. So I'll just ask you what you think right now as we're – what a Tuesday as we're doing this. But what where you think we're at with with him or not at Nebraska, if the ship has sailed maybe. Yeah, I mean, with Matt Rule, it, it felt like there was a little bit of an onslaught yesterday of, hey, I'm back. I'm ready to coach. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, so it, it's very clear he's now um, coaching. He's going to be coaching somewhere in 2023 you know unless everything just falls through the question that nebraska and matt rule have to answer is does he want nebraska and is he willing to say yes to nebraska right now versus waiting to see if there's other opportunities that could also interest him and if you're nebraska is matt rule like are you ready to commit financially to matt rule as the next guy for your program you know for the next five, seven, 10, 15 years, because he's coming in without having taken a break from his momentum with college football. Does that make sense, Brian? Because I think the way that, that Matt Rule is positioning it is that, hey, you know, I went to the NFL and it didn't work. But when I was last here, I had Baylor on the doorstep of beating Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. I took a Baylor team that had fallen apart, gave it new life, and Dave Aranda just took it to the Big 12 
and won the title last year. Like that's that's kind of the what I'm getting out of it. Like so, it's not like you're getting Matt Rule at any kind of a discount financially. You're probably having to pay market value for Matt Rule, and we just saw market value for Mark Stoops is apparently eight point six million. So. What do we think market value is for Matt Rule? Like, I think that's a real question that Trev Alberts and Nebraska has to determine. And I don't think they're afraid of paying that number. They just have to decide, do they want to make that commitment to a guy that's coming off of a terrible stretch, albeit in an entirely different environment? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And I also think we're going to we're we might see some really dramatic tipping of the dominoes here. I mean, we'll see what happens with like Lane Kiffin. You know, I mean, as, as of Monday, Monday night, there's a possibility of like, you know, there was a report and then Lane kind of shot it down through trolling the reporter on Twitter about his report that he was headed to Auburn from Ole Miss. So maybe it's nonsense. Maybe he's not. But, uh, you know, if, if that if something like that, have, Auburn's going to hire somebody that tips the scale. They're going to hire somebody that that, OK, he leaves that spot. Someone's got to fill that spot. And then off you go. Um, and then the other guy I think some domino here is Jimbo Fisher. I don't know what his future is at Texas A&M. I think West Virginia possibly could pop open, and that could be – I've thought that could be a Jimbo area because I think he's from there. Um, and then, you know, A&M would be very attractive to some guys and maybe a rule. So I think some of these guys I'm sure are trying to think two steps ahead is what I'm getting at of, okay, what what if this happens and that happens? This opens up this for me, and that might be where Matt Rule is right now. But um, beyond that, then we'll I'll ask you about um, the Kansas coaches, you know, K-State, uh, Kleiman, and, and Leipold at Kansas. Um, we've thought and reported that, that they were, we believe, have been on Nebraska's short list, um, you know, from outside sources. Um, but they're also in good situations and you, and you wonder, do they, do they want to leave where they're at? And Chris Kleiman, of course, is going to be playing a conference title game. It appears if they handle business this week against Leipold, um, on December 3rd. And that, that screws you a little bit. If you're Nebraska, you know, trying to get a guy in place to help you with the portal. So it's kind of a dicey deal with those guys, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we'll start with Lance Leipold. That one, Really, over the last three weeks, you want to talk about a, a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, uh, with with all the information that that kind of I was able to gather, that we were able to gather, it it sure felt like you know he had his pick between Nebraska and Kansas, and at the same time was not doing anything until he saw what happened with Wisconsin. Wisconsin opens that job; they're likely to usher in Jim Leonard. That door shuts. Suddenly, Kansas comes back, and and you know. They're gonna. They're raising their offer, and so where does that leave Nebraska? And so the the best information, the most recent information I have over the last 24 or 48 hours, Lance Leipold has has received a pretty significant bump from Kansas from their initial offer. Uh, we saw, you know, his wife tweet out, "See you again next year." In his press conference, he was telling the mm-hmm. the reporters, "I'll be talking to him next week about the bowl schedule," like just sort of dropping hints that, "Hey, I'm gonna be here." And so at this point, I think it'd be somewhat surprising if Lance Leipold isn't at Kansas. But, you know, we'll see. Again, the the thing about covering coaching searches, and I I wrote this just recently on our message board, and I know that you agree with it. Like, your information is really good for about 
a few hours or until the next phone conversation or whatever, because all it takes is for two people to basically just change their mind or decide, you know what, let's do this. And then suddenly there's a different front runner. So yep. everything's really fluid. But right now I feel like Lance Leipold for as much smoke as we had maybe about three, four days ago, five days ago, it's really kind of quieted down a little bit. And then conversely, a lot of conversation about Chris Kleiman. Our uh, Kansas State site is strongly of the belief that there's no way he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And yet, for some reason, his name keeps coming up and it's coming up independent of, of everything else. He has already hit his automatic rollover. Um, you know, and this is a guy that has an opportunity to play in the Big 12 championship game. The connection with Trev Alberts, they're from the same area in Iowa. They've known each other a long time. There's a lot of mutual respect there. Chris Kleiman, I think, would be a really strong fit uh, for Nebraska. But you raise a really good point. If they have to wait until after the conference championship game, does that result in a gutted roster? Um, And would he even be saying yes? So that's where, you know, this all comes back to Trev Alberts has to make a decision in an environment that is full of static. Like there's, there's stuff going on constantly. He has to decide, is Matt Rule serious about this? Is Chris Kleiman a real option? And, oh, by the way, I'm interested in Bronco Mendenhall, and so is Arizona State and Colorado. So, you you know, it's fun for us to sit and talk about it in the abstract. But when you're Trev Alberts, you kind of have to make a decision. If you've got a small group that you're looking at, you might have a coach that you like more than the others, but the timeline might not allow you to wait on that decision. <laughs> You know what? You could also this is this is not speculative. This is just real in these deals. You could like climbing a lot and feel like like Tret. I'm just saying this hypothetically. Like he could feel like through conversations or whatever they've done, like climbing would say yes. Like right now, maybe today you'd be like, I think we could get climbing. And you could think that all the way even through this weekend. But you can't announce climbing this weekend because right. probably he's going to be playing. And my point is. You could feel that way Tuesday next week, still not have a head coach if you were going that direction and think like, ah, there's an 85% chance he's in, all the conversations are good and stuff like that. And what if that flipped, which, you know, by the next – We've seen this happen before. Yeah, exactly. What if you, like, put all your eggs in that basket, like, oh, we're going to wait it out a week, it's done, da-da-da-da, and then – no, it's not done. I think I'm going to stay here. I love these boys, you know, that sort of thing. And then it's December 4th. You didn't hire the guy you wanted. And uh, I'm just saying that's a real scenario here. That's not like that. That's what is be you would have to think about there is whatever I've heard, even if this guy says he is going to commit to me or he's going to coach for me, that can change by the day, by the week. And uh, that's a, that would be some Vegas style gamble in a way, um, you know, that he's going to still, that that person would still say yes on December 4th and not have had a change of heart or something, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> which, yeah, we've, we've heard about the change of heart. We've seen empty planes return to Lincoln. We've experienced it all. Yeah. I did. I love now. Don't get me wrong. I love the Chris Kleiman. Like I think he fits Nebraska perfectly. Like yeah, I think he I would agree, be a very good Big Ten coach. He would be at the top of my list. That fact that Nebraska wants to look at him closely, or it seems to, is what right on. That's that's the proper track. But it's a tough spot. They've made it's become a tougher deal because of K State's success. To be honest, they've had so much success. It's actually 
hurt Nebraska more than if like climbing, you'd wish climbing were like six and five right now in a game outside of the big 12. And there was more clarity there, you know, with timing and stuff. And that's what makes it a mess. So you're saying you wish the Kansas and Kansas state flipped records. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, then you'd maybe would be talking the same way with Leipold. So that'd be interesting, but isn't this uh, like the, the referendum of what we're seeing in the 2022 season, I think makes it really hard to, to weigh these coaches individually against each other. Cause it's yeah. like, you know, Lance Leipold started hot and then all of a sudden, you know, the same people that were telling you they'd be absolutely a hundred percent on board with Lance Leipold. And then it comes down to your final four and he's maybe the best name in there for some. And suddenly it just sits different. Like, you know, with that, when that list gets condensed and you take out all the noise and you get into those final four, those names sit really different when they're placed next to each other. Yeah. And I think that's what uh, the fan base is experiencing. I know you, I know you got to go. I want to get this in real quickly. Um, Mickey Joseph, you know, we're, we're hearing that he's, he's a candidate. I don't think he's anywhere near the leading candidate, but he's had several conversations uh, with, with Arizona state. Do you have a feeling one way or the other, Brian, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit uh, about what could happen with Mickey Joseph. If I, if I had to bet money on it, I would say he's here next year. I think I'm that, with you. That's what I would bet money on um, in some role. And I wouldn't, this is just me. This is not sourced or anything, but if I were Nebraska, what I would do is I would bump him up to a pretty nice, I'm talking like and near near that 1 million mark. I really yeah. would. Like I'd, I think he's earned it through what he's been through with this team this year. And, and what now, it gives you as a player developer. Yeah, and, and keeping your roster intact. Yeah. I think it's only fair. It's not my money to spend, but I would put that in front of Mickey and I'd be like, we're going to pay you like the SEC does with some of these assistants. We're going to give you like a million 1.1 and we want you here. We care about you. You know, these fans love you and uh, see where that takes you. And if he wants, if Mickey has better options, all good for him. You know, I say that, you know, cause I, I think a lot of people here want Mickey to crush it with wherever, whatever he does. Cause he's been sort of a, pleasure to deal with but um and i think he's done a good job under the circumstances and i wish for his sake we had been able to watch it play out with like casey thompson and an offensive line that's halfway serviceable and then you see what he's really like as a head coach it's like he's working around all these you know blockades that almost made it impossible for him to succeed when lost wise so i feel bad in that respect but my bet is yes but i think nebraska needs to bump up the change uh, and it's got to be more than change, maybe. Um, to and I think it's deserving. That's what I my take on it. I agree. I agree with all of that. All right, Brian. Let's welcome in Michael Brunts when we return, and we are going to get back into some oddly specific predictions, some picks to click, and a score prediction. A little bit of a hype cast coming up next. Let's shift over to uh, to finishing off the Iowa week with some oddly specific predictions we're not even going to do the offense defense thing i don't have questions ready for you i don't know that people really want this uh this breakdown anyways they just want the oddly specific predictions you've had less than like eight minutes to think about it where are you going brian christopherson yeah that's tough um 
I think I I think Iowa's gonna have uh, a strip sack touchdown. Um, that's not a po- I know it's not a positive one for Nebraska. We're supposed to kind of do one that's good for Nebraska, maybe to get people hyped. I'm just having trouble with it. I think I think they're gonna get a strip sack touchdown that is uh, ran back 18 yards for a score. Um, not as bad as uh, the punt going off a guy's butt and Drew Ott running it back uh, for a touchdown has happened once in a Nebraska-Iowa game. That Nebraska actually won, by the way. Uh, but I think that that play for the Hawkeyes is going to happen. I I am just worried Nebraska is going to turn the ball over like three or four times in this game. And that's where the spread – I think that's why the spread's creeping up. I think people are like, Nebraska's only going to score like – seven points is what they're thinking and they're going to turn it over a few times and Iowa will get 24 out of it. And there you go. So I think that's where it, well, what's happening with that. Was it if Zach I'm, Cannon? Was that the one he was? It was Zach Cannon. Yeah. It was Zach Cannon. Yeah. Um, it, was his butt. It, <laughs> it was Hannon's butt. Am I mistaken? <laughs> Has Nebraska, they haven't turned it over the last two games against Michigan and Wisconsin, right? No, I, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, uh, maybe that's an unfair critique by me, but um, uh, it just feels like I was like every time I'm not. No, they do a good it. job of getting the ball. We're I, sitting I up there in the press box every week, aren't we, Schaefer? And it's like, look, Iowa scored to ha- three touchdowns this way, and you just shake your head. So, I mean, you got to assume it could happen to to the Husker boys. I, I mean, I, I don't know that I'll ever forget getting into the, like, Basically, you show up at my house, Penn State's beating Iowa. I think it was, what, the 20 – I think it was last year. Like, Iowa had had this, like, insane run where they were getting, like, three defensive touchdowns a game. And Penn State's just, like, up double digits, and it looks like it's finally going to be over. By the time we get down to the stadium, Penn State's lost Sean Clifford. Iowa scored, like, another touchdown and is threatening to take the lead. And we both, like, just sort of look at each other like, what the hell? How does this happen every single time? So, yeah. uh, I mean, it is. it does seem like uh, some sort of magical life force. Brunch, what kind of oddly specific prediction do you have for us? Just a side note for listeners, in the press box, Brunch was yelling out the yards that Travis Vokalek needed to clear to get into the end zone to yeah. make his 12-yard prediction correct. It did not ultimately happen. It was a little much, really. He was screaming, get there, get there. Yeah, it was well, and the helicopter in the shirt to encourage him was yeah. a little much too. Yeah, but I thought so. It's been a long season. Um, I I will go tight end um, on this per usual, but uh, I think Laporta from Iowa is going to. Uh, He's been there for forty two years, by the way. He has. Uh, Nebraska should have offered him at that St. Louis satellite camp. He wanted that Nebraska offer. Um, but I, I think he he somehow finds the end zone for Iowa. I don't know how, um, but it's going to be from 18 yards, probably some play action, and uh, that that's that's that that might be enough for Iowa in this game. So 18 yard touchdown pass to Laporta. All right, so we have two Iowa touchdowns for oddly specific predictions. I'm going to go with a Nebraska blocks a punt. Because they've been getting relatively close. They're just going to unload everything. I, I saw this on Twitter. I wish I knew who tweeted it at me. They basically asked if Nebraska is going to fair catch it anyways. Why not just send an extra guy and just send everybody all at once? Let's say they do that. 
Nebraska blocks a punt. They recover it at the Iowa 12-yard line. Uh, and then, um, you know, they end up kicking a field goal after that. <laughs> Unlike second go. down, just to be safe. I, I was just looking it up. I don't want to correct on the air. I was just – just so you know, so people know. Laporta got – he hobbled off the field uh, Saturday because I thought I heard that. He had, Whoa. Yeah, he was injured in the uh, first quarter – uh, of that game against Minnesota and did not return for the thing I'm reading for what appeared to be a knee injury. We were kind of busy with our own stuff, so we didn't. But uh, if you want a backup, Bruns, um, I don't know. I'm not trying to make you look bad. I'm just saying if people like on Wednesday are like, hey, he's hurt, well, idiot. It's Monday. We don't, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're still diving into Iowa. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's what just, I just change your prediction to Iowa's tight end will have a. <laughs> Yeah. I'm tight end. <laughs> I, I think uh, I'll I'll switch it. I'll say Bleak Road kicks two field goals, one okay. from thirty four, <laughs> one from one from twenty seven. That the, and those are Nebraska's points. So is the thirty four one like Nebraska gets the ball after that block punt goes back five yards and then kicks a field goal. They they get the ball back immediate false start penalty, three incomplete passes field goal. That's how it goes. I so. I like this, this co-opting of uh, of oddly specific predictions. We should look into this next year, see if we can just really, like, pull one together. Like an oddly, spe- oddly specific prediction parlay, all three of us have to put in, like, one one part of it. I don't know what happens if it comes together. I don't know what we win out of it, but we'll we'll figure it out. This is – this. we're already – I'm already, you know, game plan in 2023 hype cast, so. You're not the only so one. people know. We're this isn't going anywhere. I'm I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be getting you hyped in 2023. Whoever the hell the head coach is is just gonna have to deal with it. And maybe Nebraska will win a game or two. People and can then pretend you'll be right, even more hyped. Yeah, people can also pretend right now like they won't be fired up when we're doing this the week but for a Thursday night game at Minnesota, but you oh, know yeah. they will be. There's gonna be a new coach, there's gonna be a feeling this team is gonna win 10 ball games. I, I cannot mean, that's be a, like yeah. I, how dangerous do we think the let's get hyped is going to be? I mean, we're going to have to stick a warning on that. Probably, you know, give people a little bit of a buffer so they can turn their volume down. And I'm still going to be blasting through their radios and radios. It's not radio, whatever, through their listening device. And uh, yeah, so that's just, that's what the people need to know. Uh, Pick to click, just pick a random player. I don't care why. Just pick somebody. Brunch, pick a player. Bleak road. All right. BBC, pick a player. Uh, Malcolm Hartzog. He's then maybe he'll uh, yeah he'll get a pick. Hartzog's gonna get another right. pick for his fourth of the year. I'm going Quentin Newsom. He's been playing well. Something will happen. He'll end up with the ball. It'll be great. Score predictions. It's Monday. No one's gonna hold you to this. Go wherever your heart desires. Iowa twenty two, Nebraska six. Okay. That's uh that's yeah. a cover by the way. It is which Iowa has not done in this series for some time. Is that right? I, I'm I'm expecting defensive touchdowns. BC, what do you got? I think Bill Bush's boys will play hard. They'll bend, not break on some drives. I will kick about three field goals, get one defensive touchdown, which I mentioned, and win 23-10. to 10. Three field goals for Nebraska. Three field goals for Iowa. One touchdown for Nebraska, one touchdown for Iowa, 
Iowa goes for two in the waning seconds and wins. Oh. 18. What a drag. No, what is it? 17-16 <laughs> Iowa. They sneak it? Do they sneak the two-point conversion? Yeah. They sneak it from the two-and-a-half-yard line and he doesn't get touched. <laughs> that way you don't, you know, lose your Spencer. Where are we at with the Spencer Petras bet? Uh, He's going to win it. I'm currently losing, but not by much. Well, so so fill people in. Nobody else knows about this bet but the three of us. What what happened before the season? Where are we at? And how can Nebraska, you know, play a part in this whole thing? Uh, well, Nebraska can't do a ton with it, but um, I had I had made a bet with uh, one of the other publishers in the twenty four seven Sports Network, uh, not Iowa related, by the way, um, that. Uh, Basically, it was who would throw more touchdown passes, Petrus or the field? Petrus? Petrus? Is it Petrus or Petrus? Petrus, Petrus, who cares? Um, so the problem is, is that that Iowa's coaching staff refuses to play any quarterback, any other quarterback, no matter how bad it gets. So I, I think I'm only losing like five to nothing. Like, I think he's only thrown five touchdowns this year. So, um, I mean, if... if <laughs> You know, it would be a pretty they, bad day for Nebraska if you won the bet. Alex Padilla would come in. And... Well, I'm just saying it could be a it could be a Will Howard moment, right? Like Adrian Martinez gets knocked from the game, and then all of a sudden the backup quarterback for Kansas State ends up with like a five touchdown day. I when I when I took the field, I was even expecting that like you would get like a random like wide receiver reverse pass for a touchdown, and that would that would help the field. But they haven't even done that. That's that's how bad it's been. So, are you going to accost a Ferentz on the field on on Friday for this this sort of ridiculous nature of sticking with their quarterback? Well, they put in they put in the backup against Ohio State, and it was pretty clear <laughs> why they had not put in the backup to that point. He had two turnovers, two turnovers in the obvious. first three plays, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that they do know that it can get worse over there. Yeah, it can get worse and it did, and then it didn't. So, but yeah, Sorry. I'm down. I think I'm down five nothing. I need to check that again. Well, listeners, that's the podcast we have for you here at the beginning of this week. I'd suspect that we're going to be in your ears this weekend. Uh looking to some potential coaching news that could come out at that time. Of course, all the coverage, everything you need at Husker 24-7, plenty of coverage of this game. We have recruiting coverage coming out of the last game. Nebraska made several more offers, had some 2024s, some 25s, some 26s on campus as well for that Wisconsin game. And you can catch all that coverage at Husker247.com. suspect you're going to be keeping an eye on it because what else are you going to do during the holidays? Talk to your family members, watch the world. Well, you might be watching the World Cup, but look, you can you can read our website and watch the World Cup at the same time. Multitasking. It is a thing that can happen, and we suspect that you will be doing it. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving from Husker 24-7. I'm Mike Schaefer for Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunts. We'll catch you next time. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.